West Virginia and Commonplace. Here goes the second part of the interview with Devontae. All mm-hmm. right, so we're going to go ahead and do part two now. All right. All right, let's go ahead with it. So now tell me about your uh, approach to making music. Well, my approach to making music is very organic. I feel like I have to be moved, you know, to create. Like, I like to keep my space very organic, very earthy, you know. Some people, they like a whole lot of people in the studio. I don't. <laughs> I mean, if you could just give me an engineer and got another person that's helping with the writing, that's cool, you know. I'm not um, one of those people that's like, oh, I got to write everything. No. If you can say the same thing I'm trying to say, but say it better, I'm all for it. You know, I don't like to take forever just to get it, you know, out just as long as it comes together. But, yeah, I like it very low key. You know what I'm saying? Not a whole bunch of people in the studio. (laughs) So, like now with this whole coronavirus thing, um, how are you like able to like you get the beats from a producer, for example, um, you lay down the track and then you send it back. Is that kind of what the format is now? Yeah, because I actually had a small setup at home. So, you know, I love being in the studio because it's like to me, I feel like I don't have to be the engineer. Like I don't have to press record. They can just do it and da 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 da. But don't get it twisted. You know, I can actually stack my own vocals, put my little effect and stuff on it and just make sure they're clean. But, you know, definitely Doing it virtually, you have to have a lot of trust with your producer to make sure everything comes out right. It's not like you're there, you know. So, how long so. does it take for you to establish this trust with someone? Like, say, like if if you and um, we'll just say example, Joe, Joe gets out here and he does good on two songs, but the third song <laughs> that he's mastering for you, because we'll use that as the term, we won't say mixing and everything else, but he's mastering yeah. the third song and he just does something crazy with it. What happens after that? You know, I have to have that conversation with Joe and be like, hey, yo, Joe, let me let me pull you to the side. So, you know, listening to the record, you know, I hear how it's mixed. That's not really my vision. You know, that's not really the vision and the sound matching up. Let's try it this way. I always try to create better references and let's just have a conversation. I always feel like communication is key. Like your producer is like, You know, I know this sounds crazy, but it's like y'all in a musical marriage, you know, like it needs to be right. Like, think about, okay, I'm going to give you a great example. Full Moon, Brandy and Dark Child, you know, they were married. And then, you know, when it came like music wise, they were married. But when it comes to that, you got to have that trust and be able to they need to tell you, like, listen, you off, you flat. You know, that's that that line was bad or I don't think that lyric fits. Like, they should be able to tell you that. Y'all have to build a relationship. It takes time. But, you know, when you're under contract with somebody, everything does sound like business. But when you sit down and talk to people and just understand, I call it the human psychology. You got to meet them on the level that they're at. And everything works out. Like, on that level of communication, everybody can come to a consensus, this don't sound good or this will be better. You know? Okay, and, and on the topic of that album, are we considering that they're probably one of her better albums? Yeah, I mean, Full Moon, you know, it's funny because, you know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, she was competing with the instruments, but I felt like at that particular time, nobody was doing music like that. And, 
Dark Child as well as Brandy helped shape the genre of modern R&B, like that 2000s futuristic sound, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, thereafter that, I mean, you know, I mean, right before that, I mean, you had Destiny's Child writings on the wall, but after her, I mean, you had like, you know, the Tony Braxton, Aaliyah, you know, everybody was developing a, that specific sound that was kind of reminiscent of that Brandy Full Moon type thing. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's incredible. So, so on to another thing about them real quick, and then we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Monica versus Brandy. <sighs> Woo, man. That was uh, interesting. Did you see it? <laughs> yes, I did. I, I watched it later. I didn't see it live. Me neither. I, me neither. I had a lot of stuff going on. It was like three hours, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be three hours. And I'm a music fan like anybody else for three hours. But then I sat down and watched, and I was like, it was like we were there. It was like being a fly on the wall. And I just felt like, you know, they hadn't talked to each other in eight years, and I know that got to be hard. Like, with men, it's no thing. You know, it's, you know, us having our egos, we can shake that off. But two women, right. especially – They've done music together, and literally, they only have a Grammy with each other for the song "The Boy Is Mine." Like that was crazy, right? Nothing else in between them, correct? Yeah, no. Well, they had a yeah, they had another record together called "It All Belongs to Me." But after that, I mean, like they never received any other Grammy for their solo work. And I mean, but their it was great to see over twenty plus years their catalog was still relevant. And, I mean, those songs were, like, they had a lot of hits. I mean, it was so many songs. I'm like, ooh, you know, Monica, you could have put this out there. Brandy, why you didn't, you know, and I'm pretty sure if they had enough time, if it was, like, a part two or a part three, you know, we could have gotten all of that. But in three hours, it was good enough to get the content we got. And, I mean, I think it was, I mean, that wasn't, I think that's the best versus to date right now. What you think? I agree with that, but let me ask you this. Sure. Is it, is, and here, here's the statement Brandy is mm-hmm. good for people that like vocals, Monica is good for people that like music. Is that true? Oh, or is it my true? God. I don't necessarily feel that that's true. I feel like, I mean, think about Street Symphony. She was able to mix, and my speaking of reference to Monica, she was able to mix in classical with, that gritty urban hood, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about like a Mary J. Blige. I mean, she came a long way when it came from being in her environment to actually being a musical superstar. So, I mean, Monica gives vocals too. We're not going to front on that. I mean, should have known better. I mean, a dozen roses with the a dozen roses with the Curtis Mayfield sample. I mean, we getting really into the artistry here, but. Brandy is more of a technical singer. Monica, she's just a straight flat foot singer. You know, it's a little different. You know, with with Brandy, it's more about showmanship with the vocals and the performance and a a technicality, almost kind of like a Beyonce. You know, vocals are like a technicality. Whereas with Monica, it's like I'm getting my point across and this is it. This is it. So. Okay. Now. If you had to do a versus with somebody right now, what would be the versus you would want to see? <laughs> oh, you mean myself or like somebody like two people already in the industry? Two people in the industry real quick. Mm. 
So who I would love to see a versus between, and these are like two different people. Um, I'm going to give you a male and a female set. So I'm thinking Tony Braxton and Mary J. Blige. Huh. Okay, we'll go back to that. Go ahead. And then we had two male artists. I'm going to say Joe and Maxwell. Yes, I can go with that. <laughs> you know that, that that quiet storm, you know? Yeah, that quiet storm. And Joe Thomas, you know, Joe has music. He has his, I mean, and Maxwell, too. And, I mean, the great thing is, you know, you're getting live vocals. I mean, they got good vocals. It's not a flash in the paint. All right, so, so let's go back to your female comparison. Why, why those two? I feel like they're totally different, but in their days of, you know, their heydays, I do feel like they were very, very, like, on top of the charts. You know, they – I mean, come on, Tony's from Maryland, you know, a little country girl from Maryland, you know, they blew out of stardom once she met Babyface, right. you know, that was just... Boomerang yeah. soundtrack, Boomerang soundtrack, I remember. Boomerang, and I mean, you know, a song that was meant for Anita Baker, and then she got it, and I mean, I mean, Mary J. Blige knew nothing about being a recording artist or a star, but she had that potential coming from Yonkers, from the hood, I mean... She got around Puffy, Andre Harrell. I mean, yeah, you know, and she was able to make, you know, her royalty out of out of where she's from. Like she literally took ghetto and made it ghetto fabulous, even though her critics may have hated on her. She took it to a a all new level. And I mean, Tony, she did the same thing It's like overnight. She went from like a, you know, a country girl to like literally a. R and B sultry sensation. That's just what it was. And neither truly fell off. They just kind of let their music do do the talking for itself in the last few years. Correct. Right. I feel like they're legends in their own right. I feel like for the history and culture of R and B music, it's very important to understand. Like you know, I think once you get content with your career and you say, "Wow, I'm blessed to do all that I've done." You know, I'm not saying this is the end for me, but this is, you know, I, I'm comfortable with the legacy I left. Okay. You know, okay. they're letting that music speak. They're letting that cat. And it would be great to go through the catalog and see because, I mean, it's some records that they had that the new generation has not been exposed. And I think that's the best thing about Versus. I mean, Brandy and Monica, that was over 20 million streams. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And the thing about Mary J. Blige is Mary J. Blige has some B-side just like Tony Braxton's B-side that that nobody, you know, you don't hear because a lot of people, you know, they just listen to, used to listen to the A-side of the tape and never went to the backside of the tape. Right. Or, you know, like back when they had them old little vinyls and stuff, you had to flip it on over, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's do this real quick. Let's do this real quick since we're on this topic. We're going to go to the grades. Luther Vandross versus who in versus? Oh, gosh. Okay. This is really hard because that's one of my – you know what? I'm about to put him up with one of the best. Okay. Luther Vandross versus Gerald Levert. Okay. And, yeah. and who wins that one? Who wins it and why? Oh, my – see, you going to make me do – see, because these are two of my icons. Um – Oh, well, I mean, 
Hell, Luther takes it. I mean, house is not a home. I mean, right? House is not a home, and the production value on his music because his music to me, when I hear Luther Vandross, I don't play it with everybody that's around me in the world. Select few people get to hear it with me, and Luther Vandross has like a, it's almost like a, a, a Sinatra. He's got a classical form to him on certain songs. Right. I feel like he might have been inspired by Nat King Cole. I mean, it's in there. Something is in there. Yeah, it's something way different. And with Gerald LeVert, I love him to death. Ariana Gaita loved Gerald LeVert to death. Yes, um, my mother. I got, one, I got one minor flaw in his catalogs. Just like his father. As great as they are, they are lead singers of groups. Yeah. Luther Vandross could have some people in the background. He He's done music with various amounts of people and things like that. But LeVert shined his best on his own. But he also shined even brighter when he was Levert. <laughs> right? right. And we're not going to forget about LSG, man. Yeah, my body. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, and, you know, like, that's why I would never want to see a versus of, of Keith Sweat or Johnny Gill unless it was those two against each other, something Ooh. like that. Because all the big. Huh? <laughs> Say it again. All the begging. I mean, my, 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 my. Yeah, like, those two could go against each other because they had a decent <laughs> career, but once they got into a super group, they blew up. They, right. And I mean, and then, like, Keith Sweat has always been, like, the solo star. However, he's just been real low-key in the cut, though. He seems like a very humble artist. Like, literally, I mean, He's just very humble, but his music is so soothing. It's soothing. Right. It's just something about it. And that New Jack Swing time that he was out, he fit the mold. Like, when I think of New right. Jack Swing, I do him, I do Ralph Travance, and then I do New Edition as a whole, not as separate. And then yeah. Bobby Brown. But Bobby Brown is more R&B hip-hop. Yeah, he was basically, to me, like a Chris Brown before Chris Brown. Right. And the thing that, that, that holds strong with Bobby Brown is, you know, I'm walking into Walmart and I'm outside Walmart, me and my lovely girlfriend, Stacy, all the time going to these different stores. In the last few weeks, I hear Bobby Brown, the Ghostbusters song. I hear... Um, oh, my God. I, I hear every little step. I hear both these songs playing at different Walmarts in rural West Virginia and rural Ohio, you know. And I'm uh, like, oh, wow, the power of this man's music, even though, you know, what happened later on in life? All right, so here's our next yeah. one from next one from the grades. Whitney Houston versus who? Who you gonna you, do this? Can you really right. put somebody up against her? You really can't. But if we really gonna do it, ah, are we pulling out Aretha? Or, or does Whitney beat her? No, Whitney... no, we ain't gonna, we ain't going jump the gun because <laughs> that's the queen of soul. All right, this is what I'm gonna do. And Whitney is the voice. I'm gonna do you one better. Whitney Houston versus Celine Dion. Boom. Okay, okay, I can see that. Whitney Houston Boom. blows her out the dust. I mean, yeah, but I mean, have you heard all by myself? Yeah. I remember one holiday I was by myself and. I listened to that song, and that song made me want to cry. I was like, wait a minute, hold on, what's going on with me? A grown man. But Celine Dion, yo, she has no cut cards either. I mean, her her strength is like vote live, Vegas. She's amazing. And the one thing I do like about her, out of any artist ever, 
Celine Dion knew when to leave the scene. Yes. She left on top. She went to Vegas and making her money, doing what she's doing. But she never just came back out here to do a little posse cut, get a little extra money here and there. Nah, she made her music. Her music keeps going. And see, that's what artists don't have to learn in this generation. You brought a good point up. Like, I see artists like a Patti LaBelle. I see artists like a, you know what I'm saying, Celine Dion. You know, everybody is like, you know, the fans want new music. They might put out a Christmas album or they may do like, uh, uh, you know, a specific genre. They want like a gospel or something like that. Or maybe even just one single, just say, hey, you know, this is for the fans. But touring and doing all of that to me that's like once you get to a certain level of impact you want to leave that legacy behind leave on a high note don't you know some people wait until you know the health is not the best to want to put music out and they want to wait to the voice is not in good good shape and that can cause and and i can clearly tell you somebody that's like that and that's britney spears britney spears britney spears is that is that woman she has Outlasted her time in the sun. She makes a comeback every five years. We like, okay, hashtag free Britney. Hashtag justice for Britney. All right, you guys. So I I don't know if you heard, but it's a lot of stuff that's going on with her estate. And basically the money is not really coming in like it should be because the father has control over it and I don't know. I have a best friend that loves Britney Spears, so she keeps me real in depth with everything that's going well, on. Let's, let's keep it real because we're natives of, of Amherst and stuff, but we're technically from Lynchburg. She dated a dude from Lynchburg, Virginia. Who? Britney Spears. Who? Like, I'm Britney, Spears, figure out. Britney Spears dated a golfer from freaking Lynchburg, and she was at Neighbor's Place in Lynchburg a few years ago. And from that point on, I knew that her star value was gone. Yeah, at that point, I mean, in 2013, she dated um, what was that cat's name? He was one of them. Um, what was the boy's name? Because they was at the freaking neighbor's place. Uh, David Lucido, L U C A D O. Whoa, I heard about that. The, okay. the, the Lucidos, the Lucidos are like a, a, a Liberty University LCA type group of people. But he was some kind of golfer. Not even like. Famous, famous golfer. He lived in Appomattox to go go, go with everything. They dated for a few years. If she goes to that level to date him, I know I'm a local legend and a, a living legend in my sense for what I do in the world, and you are too, but for her to date this dude from Appomattox? But you know what? It was a big come out for him, so you know what? Shout out to the golfer, man. If you're hearing this right now, you know, sponsor your guys from Lynchburg, you know? Keep, keep it all in the hometown, you know? Help us out. But my thing is, if she's a celebrity, <laughs> she can have anybody she wanted. That's I what mean, I she had Kevin Federline, and you see what happened there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I said she's one person that stays in, in, in the spotlight too long. Look at Jessica Simpson. Look at Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore trans- transformed, and she's now top-billed actress on a TV show. Wow, yeah. I mean... You know? But anyway, getting back to these verses, we're talking about Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston is the equivalency of Michael Jackson and Prince together to me. Minus the dancing. Yeah, because she couldn't dance. Yeah, Whitney was from Newark, and, you know, she liked to get down at the cookouts 
But she wasn't getting down in the formation and choreography. That right, except for um, I'm Your Baby Tonight when she was dancing in the mirror. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> right. That's part of music video magic, kids. Just know that. Just... Right. So, like, right now today, we're just talking about artists. Is there somebody that you listen to that's, uh, <laughs> that's caught your ear? I mean, well, for the last, woo. 20 plus years. Um, anybody that knows me knows I adore Beyonce. I adore the work ethics. I do feel like she is one of the last remaining artists from the area of era of Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, Aaliyah, Brandy, all of the like the actual like and Luther Vandross. She and Luther Vandross. And she got a song with him, right? And she performed at Prince with Prince at the Grammys, like, okay, let's go. I mean, it was crazy. And cross neighbor contemporary pop with, with a track with Justin Timberlake, too. She did. And, oh, she performed at the Dixie Chicks. You know, Dixie Chicks have been banned for a long time. Right. She brought them back at the CMA Awards, which was a lot of controversy, but through adversity, she performed. She got the numbers, as always. They use Beyonce as like a rating scapegoat. I hate to say it, but you know, any award show, you spread a rumor that Beyonce might be there, the ratings are going to go up. I can't okay. believe that CMT country music. Yeah, they didn't want her there, but at the same token, ratings went up because Party. of that. And to bring the so. Dixie Chicks back, you know, they killed our president. Uh, George W. Bush with their comments, and then society took them out of place. Or what do they call now? The chicks now? They're no longer Dixie. I'm sorry about that. Excuse me. You know, I don't even know what to say about that. You know, as country people, I mean, we used to that. I mean, you know, yeah. Gretchen Wilson, Redneck Woman, you know, Faith Hill, Shania Twain. Oh, we yeah. love Shania and, Twain. And that's another one there. In the verses on country music, I don't listen to that much country music. I would love to see Shania Twain go up against somebody. Like, let her go up against, uh, oh, what's her face? Reba McIntyre. Now, you know what? Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. Reba McIntyre and freaking Shania Twain. Yeah, Reba's probably got more hits because she's been in the game longer. But we talking about, well, now I take it back. Shania, Shania is the Beyonce of the country, though. Right? She did have a hot streak. I would like to see that. I mean, come on, her live shows in Vegas when she was riding on a live horse. Auditorium, I'd never seen anything like that. That was just amazing. Like I'd never been to Vegas to see it, but you know, you had I YouTube been there, you know, it, right? YouTube is. I mean, but it, if I was there, I'd have been like, oh my god, she's riding on a horse, like in an auditorium in Vegas, right? So really hot as crap down there. You're in heels and you're on a horse. Wow, and serious. So who would win that one between them two? Oh, as much as I love Shania, I'm going to have to get that to Reba, though. Reba. I'm about to give it to Reba, too, because Reba did the little remake on, on the Beyonce song. Yeah, yo. She sold, it, she sold it to the country. She did. She did. But, I mean, hey, can we – um? let's not forget about Jennifer Nettles. You know, she did Irreplaceable with Sugar Land. All right. Overall, I, I got to hear that. I never yeah, they that. did that live at, like, the AMAs. Check that out, y'all, if y'all didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, so that would be pretty good. Well, once again, I want to thank you. For coming back for part two, we will have to pick this up and do it again sometime. All right. Um, what I need you to come back with next time is some music. I'm, we want to hear something from you. Well, even, if it, 
Even if it's old, give me a little something to give to, to the population, okay? All right. Well, all right. Talk we'll to you later. All right. All right. Talk to you, man. All right. Peace. Thank you all for listening to West Virginia Commonplace. Got two more big interviews coming up this week. Then we'll have a few reviews. Um, this is the first week of a two-part podcast. Uh, normally, I will release it as fast as I can. Um, you know, working with sound and editing, you want to make sure everything's right for the listener. And once again, I thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget about my sponsor, Anchor. Um, they do a lot to uh, help with your podcast, getting it across platforms.